0: Hello, everyone, and welcome to Africa Design Radio. My name is Chibweze Wuze, your host. Africa Design Radio is an audio journey that explores the world of design and how it is shaping the future of Africa. In each episode, we will explore ideas, histories, and profiles of leading design professionals, creatives, and thought leaders to understand how their work is creating an inclusive and sustainable society for Africa. Together, we can discover ideas on topics such as music, arts, architecture, fashion, product, graphic, and furniture design in an engaging and enjoyable manner. The show provides a collective platform that seeks to entertain and educate listeners on the fascinating ways design is impacting our lives daily. Thank you for listening. And you're welcome to another insightful and educative episode of Africa Design Radio. On the show today, I'll be speaking with the inventor of a brand new system for writing Igbo language called Ndebe. Did I get that correct?
1: No. Okay. It's pronounced Ndebe. Ndebe. Okay. No. All right. Your, your tones are off. They're all high tones. Three high Oh, they're tones. all high. Oh, I see. Ndebe. Yeah. Ndebe. Ndebe. And the B, yeah, it's a plain B. It's not, it's not the G-B sound. It's oh, a plain B. Ndebe. Ndebe. Yeah, Ndebe. Aha.
0: Okay, great. Mm-hmm. So the Ndebe script combines ancient Igbo designs with modern practicality in the first truly usable, truly writable, truly readable and truly indigenous written form of Igbo language. Lutana, it's my pleasure to welcome you to the show today.
1: Thank you. It's nice to be here.
0: All right. So for our listeners who um, don't know who she is, Lutana Odunze is a writer, illustrator, iOS engineer, and Igbo language enthusiast. When she's not writing on her blog, nsobu.com, she's researching and recording Igbo sessions to help people all over the world learn Igbo Um, on sexyevo.com so you have some very interesting websites
1: (laughs) yeah um yeah my my main blog is sugarbellyrocks.com I think that's the one that most people know me by um but yeah um so yeah I do have a couple of interesting websites and I I do um have a couple of interesting uh projects that I run involving evil so yes which is one of them (laughs)
0: Okay, so my, my first question to you would be, mm-hmm. how original is Ndebe? Ndebe?
1: Yeah, so this is a really good question, because a lot of people think that Ndebe is a type of incibidi, or they think that it has something to do with incibidi, and Ndebe is actually completely 100% original, Um, it actually has nothing to do with incibidi, but I completely understand the confusion, and I completely, like, I understand where it comes from, because When I first set out all those years ago um, to create the Endeavor project, um, one of the aims of the project was to expand Insibidi and to create a script that could be used alongside Insibidi because the the format was going to be um, the way that Japanese is written using three different writing systems. So kanji, hiragana, and katakana. Kanji is the Chinese writing system that everyone knows, you know, like with the characters that look like pictures or like look like drawings, whereas hiragana is more of a writing system that looks like writing as people okay. know writing. Okay. Um, and so they're used together in Japan to write Japanese. And so I felt that Nsibidi was um, basically, uh, you know, an anal- like a parallel of... Um, kanji and then what we were missing was a writing system that could be a parallel of hiragana and so a lot of people think that endeavor is based on InsiBidi, and it's not like endeavor is a completely original writing system that it has nothing to do with InsiBidi. but the way the endeavor project started was that i had to create a writing system that i was planning to use along with InsiBidi to write evil now somewhere down the line you know, I realized that the intensity part of the idea wasn't going to work out. And so, you know, after much back and forth and like thinking about it and like, you know, research and, you know, trying different approaches, I decided to scrap like the whole thing of trying to do anything with Incibity, trying to use Incibity as well. And then the Endeavor script itself, once I realized that I would have to rely on the Endeavor script completely alone in order to, to write EBOL, then I had to basically start the Endeavor script again all over from scratch because now I had new functionality that I needed the script to be able to carry alone on its own. And so you know, in its original form, it was supposed to be like a side dish, like an accompaniment, like to help, you know, um, us communicate with, with instability. But then once I got rid of instability, I realized, okay, I how do I take this script apart? And then how do I build it from the ground up and engineer it in such a way that it's able to do the work of heavy daily writing, like heavy mundane writing. So, Ntibi as a writing system is quite limited. And people, um, you know, yes, it was used for, it was used like by the Ikpe cults, which is a leopard cult that exists both in Igbo culture and in Efik culture and Ekoi culture and probably Ibibio and Anang culture. Cause like those are our, our, our ethnic neighbors historically. Um, but it was used for, ritualistic purposes. So you find it in a lot of their fabric, you find it in the decorations of houses, you find it drawn on people's bodies, like, you know, cause we have this tradition of using Uli to decorate our bodies, um, but it wasn't used for heavy duty mundane use. And what I mean by that is if someone, you know, if you're sending someone to the grocery store to buy you groceries, you really can't whip out like a pen and paper and write them a list of things to buy for you in instability or at least in intivity in its original form. So um, that was a huge problem because I realized that if I was going to expand InciBidi in order to serve the purpose that I wanted, which is to have a writing system that Evil people could use for their mundane, everyday, daily writing, I would have to create thousands and thousands and thousands of additional characters to supplement Incibility. And even though the Endeavor project started out, you know, as a project to create those thousands of characters and a, and then to create a writing system, like a script that could also go with those thousands of characters. I just realized that it was so inefficient. And I think like, that's what I hated about it. I hated the inefficiency of having, of, of a learner having to memorize thousands of characters. It just didn't seem practical to me. And so that's my long explanation of how Endeavor started out um, Supposed to be the sidekick of insivity but then it ended up getting its own show um, to be like the main character in its own show and like do all the work by itself.
0: Okay, I like the way you put that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> all right, so it's taking you like over a decade, right? Yes. To put this thing all together, why yeah. was it necessary for you to take on this challenge?
1: So I'm the kind of person, or well, it's not the kind of person because like like, this is who I am. Um, I've always had extremely high expectations, not just for myself, but for people, for friends, for relationships, for family, for, you know, and whether or not those my extremely high expectations were realistic or not. And, and I'm pretty sure that, you know, on some level, the, the level of expectations that I have of the world are somewhat unrealistic because I've been disappointed a lot and it's gotten me into a lot of trouble before. And, you know, I, I have bad memories from expecting things and then, or at least of, of having certain standards and like those standards, like not being respected, but, um, you know, I think it's fine because I also have those same punishingly high standards and expectations for myself. And so growing up, um, I felt yes, I felt a lot of pride being an Igbo person, but I also felt a lot of disappointment. And I, you know, as an Igbo person growing up and as a Nigerian growing up, I just felt that all around me, I could see ways in which we were um, dropping the ball, so to speak, or as one of my friends says, ways in which like they were falling my hand. And, um, you know, and I just kept thinking like, why can't people you know, be better? Like why can't people strive for better? Like why, you know, why can't we have higher standards? And so that's the general feeling that I've always had in my life. And then as it as it relates to this writing system is that I've always been interested in languages and I've always been interested in um, calligraphy, you know, like making marks and paper. And so when I went to college in America, I went to college in Buffalo, um, and there were tons of international students at my school. And at my school, um, the two biggest groups of students were the Nigerian students and the Japanese students. Um, and so we, we had this dorm called the International Dorm where like all of us lived together, like people from, you know, the international students who were on like F1 visas and stuff. So I ended up living in a dorm with like scores of Japanese people. And, you know, and these weren't Japanese people, like, like um, Japanese American people. These are Japanese people from Japan, like straight from Japan. Um, And so, you know, a lot of my friends from school were Japanese people, and just hanging around them, I noticed like how secure a lot of them were in their culture because the Japanese have done an amazing job of preserving their culture. And yes, it's it's partly due to the fact that Japan itself is a series of islands, Um, and so. They've had like the geographic isolation, and it's also partly due to some policies they, that they've had, you know, throughout history. But they've done an amazing job of preserving their culture, and so because of that, um, they're able to live their culture every day in a very comfortable and relaxed way. That I would say that um, a lot of Africans don't have that that privilege or that benefit, um, and you know, like even just casually seeing them write things down, you know, in kanji and like in hiragana and katakana, And I kept, I, you know, I kept thinking, why is it that most African people, most Nigerian people, um, we speak all these languages, but we rarely ever, like I've never seen any of us write anything down in a script that is unique to our language. And like, of course, the only exception is Ethiopian people who have Giz, which is their writing system. Um, And yes, there are other writing systems around Africa. There's the Vi, uh, syllabary. you know, um, I think it's there is like a Basa writing system. Um, But the general rule, the general uh, status quo is that the average African person um, does not have, you know, a writing system that they, that they use on a daily basis to write down their language. And I felt like, you know, well, why can't we have this too? Um, and so I started to do research to try and see if perhaps we already had a writing system and I just didn't know about it, um, which is how I found in Sibidi, You know, and but then again, incibity is not an evil writing system. And I think a lot of evil people are mistaken about that. A lot of evil people love to claim incibidi, but it's not actually an evil writing system. Incibidi was invented by Efik Ekoi you know, possibly ibibo and Anang and Orang people. But because these people histor- historically and geographically live next to Igbo people, of course, you know, with cultural exchange and movement and that kind of stuff, it, it, it kind of bled over into Igbo culture as well. And that's perfectly fine. But I felt that, you know, I did find that in that we didn't really have anything that was our own as Igbo people. And that that and that imbued a very strong sense of like cultural identity. Like when you look at writing systems from around the world, right? You you look at Arabic and like it screams Arab people, you know? Um, You look at um, Hanzi or Kanji or Hanja or Hiragana or Katakana and it screams East Asia. It screams China, Korea, Japan. So I really wanted that for us. Like I wanted us to have a writing system that we could have um, pride in, that every single time we wrote it, every single time we used it, regardless of whether the use for it was so basic and so mundane or something grand and, and fancy, that you know, we could kind of be reminded as a people that this is who we are, this thing belongs to us, and you know, we have pride in that, if that kind of makes any sense. And yeah. I've always been a doer you know, um, yes, I'm a talker too, but I'm also definitely a doer. I don't know if it's because I'm an only child and like my entire life I've had to like, you know, do stuff for myself. I I didn't have like um, older siblings who could like just do stuff for me. Um, But I've always been very proactive about like getting stuff done for myself, things that I'm interested in. And so I decided, okay, you know what, nobody has fixed this problem. Um, So I'm going to be the one to fix it and I'm going to do it. Um, And so that was how I you know embarked on it and that was also the reason why I stuck with it. I mean, you know, life went on. I graduated college, I got jobs, I moved places and whatnot, but the the constant in the background of my life was that, you know, I just kept chipping away at this project and kept chipping and chipping and chipping away. I kept doing the research, I kept like ordering books and you know, um I have so many dusty like old colonial manuscripts, like in my bedroom that I ordered from like these really obscure bookstores around the world. Cause maybe they're the only ones who carry this manuscript and it has some reference about something about evil culture from like 1834, that kind of thing. Um, But, you know, I just, it's the the project has definitely been a a life dream for me. Um, So I wasn't willing to let it go.
0: That's very good to know. So when mm-hmm. you think the CBD, you know, as a, as a writing script, what do you think, you know, mm-hmm. it stops evolving and, you know, the evil mm-hmm. race stopped using it? What do, and what do you think was the influence behind that?
1: Mm-hmm. Um, I think that is due to two two things. One, NCBD was never a widespread writing system to begin with. So like I mentioned earlier, it wasn't as if, you know, somebody was telling you something and you're like, oh, wait, go? I need to write this down. And then you whip out like your your little brush and your little parchment and you start scribbling things in NCBD, you know, the average evil person or the average ethic person or whatever. It was never a widespread writing system. It was a writing system that was kept within the eque cults and possibly other cults. Um, you know, in Evoland and also like, you know, amongst ethnic people, the cults that, you know, we share. And so while people knew of it and while people probably knew some symbols and while people worked it into like, you know, their uli designs and their house designs and like their artwork and their fabric, it wasn't a an everyday use writing system. So that was the first flaw. Well, I wouldn't really call it a flaw, but it was the first handicap of intimidity. <clears throat> the fact that it was kept within a secret society to begin with. Then the second handicap, or or basically the second event that prevented Insimity from evolving from, you know, that pictographic writing system into perhaps possibly something like Hanzi, which is like the Chinese script is the in, you know the beginning of like colonialism and and like nigeria getting colonized and then you know christians and like um you know missionary activity where of course they demonized all those things i mean can you imagine a missionary like talking to someone and they're like oh oh what do you do oh yeah i'm a member of the leopard cult i mean of course like you know straight to hell you go so um People our people were wholesale discouraged from doing anything that had to do with their culture because all of those things were just like blanket demonized as being devilish, being fetish, that sort of thing. So sadly, anybody who was even strongly and well versed in sibidi around the time that Nigeria was formed and or, or colonized, um, by the time they died, you know, either They couldn't pass it on to to other people, you know, or they were suppressed from passing it on to other people, either by the British or, you know, informally by the church. Um, And so, you know, however that came to happen, that that's why we're in the situation that we're in today, where instability is simply not, uh, it's not workable as a regular, daily, mundane writing system.
0: Okay. There's a school of thought that believes Mm -hmm. that language barriers and protectionism Mm -hmm. have Mm -hmm. more of a negative effect than a positive Mm -hmm. one on the development of our community. Now, for example, you know, imagine if Things Fall Apart by Chino Mm -hmm. Achebe was written in NCBD. Now, -hmm. think of all the amazing knowledge, proverbs, poetry Mm -hmm. that the rest Mm -hmm. of the world would not be able to benefit from because it's locked away in an Asian script. That most mm-hmm. people cannot read. Um, what do you have mm-hmm. to say about that?
1: Yeah. Um. So you know that is a valid uh, school of thought, but then there is also a valid counter to that school of, to that school of thought. And the counter to that is that um, our each language that human beings have ever come up with um, is a window into a completely different world and a completely different way of thinking that human beings are capable of. And so, you know, and like, and I know this is the, this is called the Sapir-Whorf theory of language. And the superior war theory is, and I'm paraphrasing, but basically it's a theory that suggests that um, the words that we use in language shape the way that we think. So there's, of course, there's a lot of debate back and forth about this because some people think that, yes, you know, the structure or the way certain words are in a language do affect the thoughts of the people who are fluent in that language. And there are some people who think that, no, it is the thoughts that we think that affect and shape how words come to be in our language. But um, a really good example of this is, and like what I'm trying to say is that it is a good thing that we have different languages and it is a good thing that we have different scripts because each of these scripts and each of these languages um, allow us to express the same concept in a slightly different way, depending on like our the source culture of the language. And that is important because when people from other, cultures or people from other ethnicities and other languages read the writing of speakers of other languages in their native language or, you know, basically in their native language like a translation alongside, they are not just able to consume the information, but they're also able to absorb a different worldview through the language. Um, and a really good example of this is um, the concept of love in Igbo, in right? So in, in the English language, there's only one word for love, and that's love in general. Yes, I know that there are synonyms and I know, but like for the purposes of this conversation, um, there's only one word for love. But in Igbo, the word like love as a concept is broken into several expressions. There is no one unified Igbo word for love, regardless of whatever you read in a dictionary, because a lot of Igbo dictionaries are, you know, were produced under the influence of like colonial thinking. So people were trying to fit Igbo definitions, like Igbo words into English definitions, whereas they should exist how they exist in Igbo. So two ways of expressing love in Igbo, for example, are afoma and ifunaya, right? And afoma super literally translates to good stomach. And what that basically means is that forma is a is an expression of love in, in, in evil thoughts that it kind of translates to that, you know, that nice warm feeling that you get in your stomach when you're at home with your family and like everything is good. And you know, like how you're just happy and you're content. And like, you know, you've just got this nice feeling, like your body feels nice. You know, you're, you're just happy. you kind of got like a buzz, like, you know, all through your body. And like, you know, there's just a happiness that's, that's kind of emanating from, from your core. Right. Yeah. That is the kind of love that is described when Igbo people say afoma. Then the other expression for love in Igbo is ifunaya, and ifunaya literally translates to to see in the eye. And ifunaya is more of a romantic type love because basically it's about seeing the person, the object of your desire in in your in your eye, like you know gazing gazing and that, and that person fills up your field of view. And so imagine if we took, we said that English and Igbo must be exactly the same. And because English has a word for love, we have to have an Igbo word for love. Otherwise, it doesn't make any sense. But when you understand the meaning of these two expressions, you kind of get a little glimpse into the evil worldview. And in the evil worldview, there are two distinct, or there are at least two distinct types of love Um, that we, that we distinguish between, as opposed to the English or the British worldview, whether it's only one generalized type of love. So, yeah, so that's the reason why it's, it's, it's a good, you know, I don't agree with that school of thought that says that it's negative for us to be divided into different languages and scripts. I think that um, it's actually beneficial for us to have, um, you know, to have as many languages as possible, as many different scripts as possible, what we need is competent translators, um, you know, and competent, uh, you know, people who are able to lay side by side and extract those concepts from the different languages.
0: Okay, um, do you think that, you know, native written language is important yeah. to our cultural development um, as a society and why?
1: because um, a culture dies when its language dies or or people die when their language dies. like, and you kind of cease to be the people that you are. Um, And also, you know, our native written language is important because if you're not writing down your history, then it might as well have never happened. Um, A lot of the problems that African countries face today Directly stem from the fact that most Africans did not write down their history in any kind of um, detail, um, and so because of that, you're not able to learn or build. You know, you're not able to learn from the mistakes of the past, and you're also not able to build on the progresses of the past as well. There's a lot of African indigenous knowledge, a lot of African indigenous technology, indigenous techniques for doing things, things like weaving, building houses. Um, you know. Um, Uh, what is it, tapping uh, resources or from trees or whatever, mining things, sculpting things. And we don't, you know, it's almost, we're practically left to rely on the artifacts that survive in foreign museums because left to our own selves, we haven't done the hard work of going to record those things, record the process of those things, Uh, you know, and build on those things. And I always come back to Japan because Japan is a really good example of country that was successful in doing what I'm trying to achieve. Japanese people have been writing things for thousands and thousands and thousands of years. And they've not only have been, they've been writing them, they've been keeping detailed records. And there's something that like, I always tell, you know, like the people who follow me online. And I said, um, People do not become powerful, or countries or nations, like you don't get powerful because you have a big army or because you have lots of money. Record keeping is how countries rule the world. Like the country that keeps the most detailed records, that knows every single thing about their history, that knows every single thing that's going on in their country, that's the true power because you have so much information and you can build on that. Um, and so, and that is the reason why, you know, and and they call them the, the, the East Asian tigers, China, Japan, and Korea have been so successful culturally. Um, although China, you know, when, when China went to communism, then they had like this crazy moment when they went around destroying their culture, they went around, you know, destroying a lot of like their history, destroying a lot of their records. So let's, let's ask China from this conversation because I don't know, China, China just kind of disappointed themselves. Anyway, but my point though is is that recording things, recording your culture, recording your, your thoughts, recording your cultural worldview in your native language is incredibly important for posterity, and it's incredibly important for not just your own personal satisfaction and pride as a member of that ethnicity, but it's also important for the progress of future generations and for like their strong sense of self and identity.
0: Okay. Um, so let's talk a bit about the adoption of Ndebe. Mm-hmm. Um, now, would you agree that the adoption of this new script, you know, which mm. in fact might take decades to mm. master, do you think that it would make writing in Igbo a little bit harder? You know, inst- mm. versus updating you know, the word compendium, right? Mm. Using the current Omo? alphabet that is in use at the moment
1: no i don't think so because um i don't think that the opening statement is accurate so when i decided to start the endeavor project from scratch right um and 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 the benefit of you know the good thing about this is that um years were going by as as all of these developments were happening so that means that i was getting older and as i was getting older i was able to think more deeply, like my thinking matured, you know, in a way when I was 19 and I, you know, started this thing and I came up with the idea for this script. Um, I was just, you know, excited about, Oh, you know, this is super cool. You know, like I'm going to do this thing. And like, I was like excited about that. Um, but then as years passed and I thought about what I was trying to achieve with, with the goal, like of, of creating this script, I started thinking about it from a functionality perspective, how is this script going to work for people? How are they going to be able to use it? Is is learning the script going to cause a big disruption in other people's lives, or is it going to be something that is easy for them to pick up and to just start using? And I had to, you know, I had to be very um, brutally honest with myself about the script answering those questions. And so I deliberately engineered Endeavor to be ridiculously easy to learn, you know, and you probably noticed within minutes of me releasing the script, people had started writing with it on Twitter, which was mind blowing, you know, and I, and I, it, it actually made me cry because that was one of the things that I built into the script, the ease of picking it up. And I wasn't sure if, you know, I didn't have any validation of, or, or, or um, when I say validation, what I mean is that I didn't have any proof, any proof that Endeavor was actually easy to write. It was e- like, I had built it to be easy. I had, you know, I, I, I built it to be a logical um, formulaic syllabary. So I basically wrote in logical rules into the, into the use of the script that make it, that mean that, you know, you don't have to rely on memorization in order to write with a script. You don't have to memorize like a whole bunch of characters. You can look at the script and you can start writing in five minutes flat. But until I released the script, I didn't have any concrete proof that it was easy for other people. I knew how I had built it. I knew that it was easy for me, but I, I, you know, it was an amazing thing when I saw, People, in fi- and, and the funniest thing is that the very first person who posted um, like a writing sample in Debe, um her name is Fumio Yatsugun. She's a Yoruba woman. She, she says she's Yoruba and Bini. So she doesn't even speak Igbo at all, you know? And that's wild. That, I mean, that that's completely wild. So that means I succeeded in terms of how easy it is to learn Endeavor, how easy it is to write with Endeavor. So I don't think it's true that adoption um, is going to be hard. I mean, yes, I have to push for it. Yes, I have to promote it. You know, yes, I don't know how long it's going to take. But the truth is that if people, if everyone just makes the effort to learn it, to practice with it every single day, adoption should be really easy on a personal level because Endeavor is designed to be easy. It's a deliberate design.
0: If you want to hear more interesting episodes of Africa Design Radio, head now to our page on all platforms where you get your podcast. Thanks so much for listening to the show this week. You can subscribe from wherever you get your podcasts. And while you're there, please do give us a review. You can also write to us at africadesignradio at gmail.com or follow us on social media at africa underscore design underscore radio. I'm Chibweze and you've been listening to Africa Design Radio.